This podcast was brought to you by mozo.com.au. Hey, hey, and welcome to the Finance Burrito Podcast. My name is Tom Watson, and I'm a journalist at financial comparison website mozo.com.au. Uh, joining me in your ears, as she is, uh, you know, she's one to do, is my colleague and fellow journalist, Liv G. What's up, Liv? Hey, Tom. Not a whole lot up. I feel like this this recording of news has come around again super quickly. I don't know what it is. The last week was just like... Pshaw. There's too much news to cover, that's why. Totally. I had too much fun on the weekend. It went too fast. The news is too interesting. So I reckon we just jump straight into it. Let's do it. Here are the hot topics in Moneyland. All right, so Liv, I know that you got out of Sydney this weekend. Um, mm. I, I won't reveal the location. Um, <laughs> very secretive. I know, yes. I know you love it. You live a secret <laughs> life, so that's why. Um, but I do imagine that you, A, drove to your destination and True. B, that you probably filled up with petrol along the way. Well, actually, no, because we were oh. with friends and they were driving and they have quite a good newish car. But um, I was conscious because I always like to split uh, petrol prices if friends are oh, driving. Oh, you're a good friend then. I like to do that too. Yeah. Lovely. Um, and so I was thinking about it and looking around. Okay. We never actually filled up, so I paid for Maccas instead, naturally. Um, <laughs> but, yes, I was looking around at the, uh, at the, at the Bowsers on the way there. And good. Back. You haven't killed my segue. Thank no, you. I haven't. Um, so, as you'll know, as I'm sure a lot of people know, mm. uh, petrol prices, they're pretty expensive at the moment. Like, And they have been for a couple of weeks, months, maybe. Yeah, we don't fill up a whole lot, so it's hard to tell, but it seems expensive. Yeah, I've sort of been doing a, a couple of weekends of like visiting family and little adventures. And so I have noticed that like, especially in the inner west and like more in central Sydney, it's like up to just for normal petrol, like $1.50, $1.60, just depending on which like uh, which branded uh, petrol station you go to, it's pretty mad. And then like a bit further out, maybe it's up to ten to twenty cents a liter less. Maybe hey, you're like all over this already. I know. Like... I've been driving a fair bit lately, <laughs> and our car is not fuel efficient. It's uh, terrible. So I'm all very conscious of it. So the reason that I brought this up is because the ACCC released. You know, like a relatively timely, given these uh, prices at the moment, um, a new report on Tuesday looking at the price of petrol in Australia throughout 2020. Um, pretty cool. Pretty long mm -hmm. report would suggest that, you know, if that's your kind of thing, go and check it out. Yeah. Um, so it's over the course of the whole last year. That's kind of cool. Correct. And there are a lot of findings in there, um, some which were kind of like annoyingly predictable for mm -hmm. drivers. So should I just jump in and throw some at you, which I think are pretty give me, cool? Give me them numbers, baby. Okay. So the big headline number is that motorists in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Perth, and Adelaide, so the five biggest cities in Australia, could have mm -hmm. saved a combined total of about half a billion dollars in 2020 <laughs> by switching from higher priced to lower priced major retailers. Oh, who would have guessed that switching for a better value deal is good for you? We know, love right? talking about that, don't who we? Who are these suckers that are paying for, uh, for you know, more expensive petrol? I know. I... Yeah, although sometimes it's like the the arrow is just on almost empty and I'm like, oh, ah, and I need to jump on whatever petrol is near. <laughs> well, you do so. like a Kramer and like really testing that up. Yeah. That, that dial. Just um, a little nervous. So... Let's narrow down those uh, those figures a little bit by looking um, kind of city by city. So 
live if you as a petrol buyer which you mm-hmm. are you have admitted to being um drove to the lowest priced independent chain rather than the highest priced major retailer in 2020 you could have saved 445 dollars in sydney which is quite a lot Ooh. uh 317 in melbourne 174 dollars in brisbane 330 dollars in adelaide Whew. 216 dollars in perth 200 dollars in canberra $78 in Hobart, and $55 in Darwin. Well, well, well. Which is not Write that much over a year. Down. I don't know if that's yeah. Is this sort of based on, like, the average driver, how often they fill up, blah, blah, blah? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure on that. Go that read the report. That about right. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> Go read the report. I love that. But, you know, when you have sources, it's like, find out more. Yeah, you don't need me for that. Yeah, did they uh, reveal who uh, are, are the, the top dogs in terms of pricing? They did. They were really nice like that. So good nice. work, C. Um, They revealed the uh, the most expensive and the least expensive retailers, uh, well, some of them at least, in the eight major cities. So the cheapest were Speedway, Metro Petroleum, United, mm-hmm. Vibe, which I haven't heard of, but it sounds great, yeah. and Fuel Express with an X, a capital X. Yeah. Um, I haven't heard of a few of those. No, I feel like so. Cool. This is across those cities, so they obviously. Change, oh yeah, right. right, right. So maybe there's some state-specific ones. Cool. That's right. Yeah. So they all get clap hand emojis. Yeah. Clap, clap, Good work, clap. guys. Um, on the other side, uh, what the ACCC referred to as refiner marketers, um, like Coles, Express, BP, and Caltex, who are among the most expensive, which may okay. not surprise people. No, that's not surprising at all. Just looking around, like, my neighbourhood where there's, like, on Parramatta Road, like, 10 petrol stations in a 100-metre area, and they all vary, like, by a lot. Man, we're so boring. We definitely, like, just go to the same petrol stations. We're going <laughs> to need you one... to move somewhere else so we can have a more <laughs> I diverse... Have one... No, I have a great one between here and Wollongong where my um, family lives, and it's, um, I think it's a metro one, and I love it because it's, like, it's pretty, it's a bit cheaper than um, ones near my place. And there's also a kebab shop connected to Love it. Love it. I was going to say, yeah. this is going to be something food-related. You buying the totally. $2, like, petrol station hot dogs or something like that. Yeah. Got to have a kebab. It's 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 hard Gotta. to eat while driving, but boy, is it worth Yeah, I don't know if that's the best or the worst food to eat while driving. It's pretty, yeah, like, messy. You know, it's got the wrapper, but yeah, you're right. True. The, the, anyway. Yeah, anyway. the source could go everywhere. Yeah, anyway, so um, what, what does this all mean for you? Well, uh, if you use a lot of petrol, then it's probably mm-hmm. worth hunting around for those kind of like smaller and independent petrol stations, uh, if you can, if it's mm-hmm. not too far out of your way. Um, the ACCC also recommended, and I'm sure a lot of people know about these, the state-based fuel comparison apps that are available where you can kind yeah. of check up-to-date prices. And one more thing to note, which I thought was pretty interesting because I didn't know this already. Um, this is a quote from the ACCC chair, Rod Sims, who said, consumers should bear in mind that regular unleaded petrol sold in Australia typically comes from the same refineries or import terminals, and there are minimum quality standards that all re- retailers are required to adhere to which means mm-hmm. that motorists are getting petrol of a similar quality regardless of where they fill up that's good to know because i do worry sometimes when there's like a dodge one in the middle of nowhere i'm like is this is this just full with they water, with water and water? sunshine yeah. yeah a bit of cordial there okay, you go cool. myth busted it, yeah myth myth busters remember them they were great i do <laughs> Now I love I love a good bargain, especially when I know I'm getting some quality. But do you know do you know what else I love, Tom? Do you oh, know what else I love? A, a, a petrol station kebab. 
Petrol station can be bad, but also rodents. So if you don't know this about me, I, do know this I have about you. two guinea pigs who I love. I've raised many rabbits, rats, guinea pigs, mice. Would love to have a capybara. That's my, I that's love my true those. dream. They're so cool. They're so chill. They just love sitting in like hot springs. I'm really into them. But <laughs> in a not so good news story about rodents, um, perhaps the littlest of uh, these fellas, the humble mouse, is really wreaking havoc in uh, regional New South Wales and Queensland right oh, it's now. Terrible, isn't it? I'm sure everyone's yeah, seen a lot so of this, right? Yeah, I don't know if you've seen the the videos of the mouse plague, and it sounds dramatic because it it, it is right. Have you seen them like scattering like mad in huge numbers? Tom? Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, just waves yeah. of mice. Yeah, it's nuts. At first, I didn't really understand why it was happening, but the just historically high numbers have been put down to the flooding we had earlier on in the year sort of creating the ideal setting for things to grow and mm. mice to eat more and that's fueled their reproductive cycle so they're just bloody gone mad um but this is basically a huge problem for farmers as the mice can damage property and even like machinery they can get into the mechanics of stuff and wreck it and destroy crops so there's um a whole lot of yeah a whole lot of uh, struggle going on right now especially in new south wales it's just getting worse and worse and actually I saw a news piece this morning showing that um, it said the New South Wales Agricultural Minister had just announced another $100 million to tackle the mouse, the mouse plague, and that's on top of $50 million that was committed to it last month, and that's um, to support culling of these mice because they're just everywhere. We, we, can't, we can't have them about with um, a certain kind of bait, so um, giving farmers um, a rebate on buying the bait, to, a rebate on the bait <laughs> right. to... Um, Get rid of these mice. So not to be flippant, but they're not airdropping cats into these areas. No, no, no. I don't think they could With move. Little tiny breed. parachutes. <laughs> Adorable, not so effective. Mm. Um, so obviously, uh, this has beyond the, how it's affecting these businesses. It has pretty big um, economic, broader economic impacts because if farmers are, are struggling with um, their crops and, and production, it means that. We can see some flow-on effects to consumers in the prices of products mm. and Aussie exports, which can affect the value of the Australian dollar and all that big finance stuff. But um, for me, the interesting thing for the individuals being affected by this is the insurance side of things because uh, I love a bit of insurance. You're an interesting person, Liv, that's why. I know, multifaceted, love my insurance. But um, yeah, so the, the interesting and worrying side of this is that most home and contents insurance policies only cover damage caused by vermin if it leads to fire or water damage, like flooding. Oh. And um, yeah, so it's like if a mouse chews through a cord or, or a pipe and then it creates a problem that is related to fire, fire or water damage, then you can get that fixed through an insurance claim, hopefully. And, but otherwise, not so much, which so, is kind of weird. So if they're nibbling at your furniture or just kind of running amok, which they Yeah, are. or eating all your crops and yeah, ruining exactly. everything. Yeah, yeah. And this is because um, mice and other vermin infestations like roaches and whatever else is kind of seen as a preventable issue and getting rid of them as part of like the general upkeep of your property, which is not something you can claim on insurance in most cases. So basically farmers... They aren't getting help from their insurers unless mice, you know, create fire and floods, which, you know, they're not, they don't necessarily do a lot of. They're sort of more smaller scale stuff. But when there's this many, it's like small scale everywhere becomes very big scale. And then with this fire and flood stuff, not every policy even covers this. As we oh. like to say in the insurance world, check your product disclosure statement. 
because uh, they can differ from provider to provider and policy to policy. As they do, especially flood stuff, right? Yeah, it's mental. So even if even if the mouse does exactly what it's meant to do in terms of fire and, and water damage, you still may not be covered. So basically, farmers have a really hard time of it with these mice, and it's just mental. And it shouldn't when when it's just really upsetting when it's like oh. The logical human thing is like, well, clearly this isn't a preventable issue. It's a plague. It's like a straight-up cluster. Exactly. Plague. Yeah. <laughs> and the insurance is like, well, that's sort of, you know, not our fault. Too bad. But yeah. So basically what it means for farmers is that they should probably get on, any, anyone who's being affected by these mice should probably get on to their insurance provider ASAP, whether you're potentially going to be affected if the mice are drawing near or it's already happening. It would be a great idea to just double-check and confirm what's covered in your policy and potentially just negotiate more expansive cover if possible or figure out a better deal or just like try to have a human-to-human chat with uh, insurance companies to see what help you can get. And then for everyone else not being directly affected by the little devil critters at the moment who are running all around the state and in Queensland too, um, just, yeah, you got to sort of bear in mind that there, there might be flow-on effects in rising prices of Australian produce and other goods so you know don't necessarily get a uh, get too mad about that but yeah definitely god hectic stuff, stuff man yeah totally um that was heavy more... that went from like cute capybaras to devil I know. mice it's a roller coaster wow. on a roller coaster with a capybara and a mouse plague um should i kind of end us with a, a lighter note then i think so yeah. okay um although i will say and I set myself up here because there's nothing light about the protagonist in this story. <laughs> oh. oh. Have you heard of King Henry? As in the eighth? No. Oh. No. Okay. Then no. So, King Henry is the world's largest known rock specimen, specifically gold rock specimen. Oh, I was going to say there are some big rocks out there. There but, are. Ooh, la, la. Including the rock. <laughs> Who's yeah. quite a big rock, the biggest yeah, rock, perhaps. Cover him in gold <laughs> for his presidential run in twenty twenty four. So King Henry, the gold nugget, uh, was <laughs> discovered on Father's Day in twenty eighteen at the Beta Hunt mine near Cambolda in Western Australia. I'm so sorry for butchering that. Um, sure. And it was named after the man who found it, uh, a miner called Henry Dole. Now, this is pretty big, as you'd expect, mm-hmm. being the world's largest. It weighs 94 kilos and it contains... What? Yeah, I know, right? So way bigger than us. Um, it contains an estimated 1,400 ounces of gold in it, which is okay. pretty incredible. Um, I don't really know if I know what an ounce is. <laughs> smaller... Deep down. Actually, no, I'm not even going to try this. But it's, you know, 1,400 of them, that's a lot, man. Yeah, that's a lot of ounces. That's but a lot still, of ounces. That's, a big, that's a big hunk of gold rippled stuff it is so king henry hasn't had a home for the last couple of years um in fact it was on tour um he's just been rolling around the country yeah that's right got some momentum behind it um but it does now it has a permanent home at the perth mint after the rock was uh was purchased from the mine's owners for three million dollars uh and that's great because it was possibly going to be sold to an overseas buyer. So everyone seems like they're happy that it's uh, staying in Western Australia. So yeah. kind of cool. Um, the best part of the story, though, aside from the price and the size and the name, is that King Henry won't be alone at the Perth Mint because he's Ooh. going to be displayed next to a 145 kilogram 
<gasps> silver nugget called the Karatha Queen. Oh, isn't that sweet? They're gonna fall in love. That's so nice. Side by side, you reunited at last. <laughs> so yeah, I thought that was a really cool story. Um, but that's probably enough of the um, anthropomorphizing of rocks on my probably, behalf. Yeah, yeah. Would you? Uh, would you go see King Henry and uh, the Karatha Queen? Live? Look, I probably wouldn't go to the other side of the country just for that. But if I was already in Perth, then yes, that perhaps I would put it on my, my schedule. I think it's on my list now if I go back to Perth. I'd really like to go and see this. You must do, especially because they're a little a little team. But um, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll see we'll see what the uh, the state borders look like in, in the months to come. Maybe we'll plan our next our next holiday. And now that we know that King Henry is safely in his forever home with his one true love, I'm assuming. I think we can probably draw a line under this episode of the old burrito. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, but um, before we go, for everyone listening, we've got a little announcement. So we're going to be dropping the first episode in our new Unwrapped series next Thursday, which is super exciting. Woo! And so this is um, the new series that we uh, – it's all about finance and digital technology. So we're going to be looking at some of the major trends and new players that will shape how we bank and invest and manage our finances sort of now and into the future. And this is a bit of a follow-on from the last Unwrapped series where we looked at sustainability and ethics in all of those areas of our finance lives. So now it's tech and digital. I'm really excited about this. It's going to be awesome. Um, I'm like genuinely stoked about all the topics that we're doing and the people that we're going to be you know, talking to for this. So uh, make sure you check your feeds next Thursday for our first episode, which is on cashlessness. Ooh, Ooh. intriguing. How exciting. The lack of cash and not just about Liv's purse. (laughs) Oh, whatever. Um, But in the meantime, um, I reckon if you're not listening to all of our old episodes of the Finance Burrito, go and have a little look at all the cool things that are happening on our socials if you haven't already. I know there's some very weird and wonderful stuff up on our Instagram page at the moment. So yeah, really cool entertainment stuff and education. There. Definitely. Um, and as always, before we go, a big thanks to producer Claire, our researcher Ella, and our social media lead Rihanna for all their hard work behind the scenes putting the uh, burrito together. It's much appreciated. And you know what? A special thanks to you as well, dear listener, for tuning in because we think you're pretty awesome. Yeah, love you guys. See you later. Bye. Just remember, as Mozo writers, we're providing general financial product information. So we're not taking into account your specific financial situation, needs, or personal objectives. We are not recommending any specific product to you. The best advice we can give is for you to make your own financial decisions and seek out independent advice. This podcast was brought to you by mozo.com.au.